Welcome to Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. We're marking the start of the winter season by highlighting a new batch of indigenous music today. We'll hear from five musicians who all have new music to add to your playlist or your gift list. We have everything from free jazz to down-home res rock and roll. So turn up the volume and get ready to enjoy some Native inspiration. We're back after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. The Rosebud Sioux Tribe in South Dakota is currently dealing with a winter weather emergency as the forecast includes more extreme cold and dangerous wind chills. Wayne Boyd is the tribe's chief of staff. Boyd says Rosebud was hit with a snowstorm last week and is continuing to deal with more than three feet of snow and cold. We have people out of propane, out of food. Um, we have sick people. It's, 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 quite, it's quite a emergency. Robert Oliver, the tribe's emergency manager, says they're working around the clock to address the situation and open roads. The tribe does not have proper equipment to remove the snow and is seeking to obtain heavier equipment. Oliver says some communities were without electricity for four days. In that time, they were starting to uh, run low on, on food, wood, and uh, their pipes were freezing. Oliver says people did not have dialysis treatment for up to five days. The tribe started to get people treatment on Saturday. He says there are still communities on the reservation that need to be accessed. Those areas have up to 20 feet tall snowdrifts. There are two shelters open on the reservation. Food distribution is being planned with the Feeding America organization. The tribe is in contact with the state, the Red Cross, and federal agencies for assistance. In the meantime, Oliver is asking people to take precautions. Stay home whenever those uh, conditions warrant it. Um, it is going to get cold. We don't need anybody getting frostbit. Um, it is it's chilly out right now. Oliver says about 25,000 residents are being impacted by the weather emergency on the Rosebud Reservation. An initiative by the Wisconsin Department of Transportation is honoring tribal communities with highway signs in both English and Native American languages. The Sakagan Chippewa community in Mole Lake is the latest, as WXPR's Katie Thorson reports. No matter where you go in the country or state, highway signs for places are fairly uniform. Giant green signs with big block letters in white mark the location, letting you know what town or city you're in. A new sign recently installed in Mole Lake prominently reads Sakagan Chippewa Community with the tribe's seal beside it. But different from the vast majority of similar signs you find across the country, this one includes the tribe's name in their own Ojibwe Moan language. Thagai Ganin. It's a, it's a, it's a spiritual, uh, cultural light that was in the water. It was part of our part of our teachings and our migration stories and our teachings that, that came about um, a long, long time ago. Sakagan Chippewa Community Chairman Robert Van Zyl was proud to unveil the new sign in a ceremony alongside community members and officials from federal and state transportation offices. It's very positive. It's heartwarming to see these dual language signs come to life. 
The Sakagan Chippewa community is the fourth tribe in Wisconsin to install a dual language sign. The Wisconsin Department of Transportation launched the initiative in 2021. Wisconsin DOT Secretary Craig Thompson would like to work with all of the tribes within the state to get these signs up. It's become um, uh, a priority to bring back uh, and preserve the native languages, and so this was one way that we could help and participate in that. But it's also important for people in Wisconsin, people traveling through Wisconsin, to know our history, to know when they're entering uh, these sovereign nations, and to see it in the initial language. So we've, we think it's, it's important on all those fronts. And it is that sovereignty that Van Zyl hopes people will think of when they see that sign. Because when you have your language, your culture, and your identity, you have sovereignty. And so that's what we want to express to, to people. I'm Katie Thorson reporting. And I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. What if someone said you owe money to the IRS and have to pay with a gift card? Or they ask for a gift card so you can avoid going to jail? Stop, it's a scam. Gift cards are for gifts, not payments. Report scams at reportfraud.ftc.gov. Support by the Federal Trade Commission. The Indian Arts and Crafts Board promotes Indian artists of federally recognized tribes through its online source directory. Information on this no-charge opportunity available at doi.gov IACB, who support this program. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. If you like new and interesting Native music, today's show is for you. We'll talk with Wabanaki composer Molly Abamsawin about her debut album that combines jazz with archived recordings of the Abenaki language. We'll also hear from the Southwest alt-country band Dirt Roads, and we check in with the throat-singing sister duo Pilk Silk and their annual tradition of putting their own spin on a holiday classic. But first we'll hear from Mozart Gabriel, He's got an up-tempo, danceable new single and has big plans for more music in the coming year. Please join our conversation to share your music takes. What are you listening to this holiday season? Give us a call at 1-800-996-2848. That's 1-800-99-NATIVE, and we'll get you on the air. Our first guest is joining us now from Santa Fe, New Mexico, Mozart Gabriel. He's a Native American rock artist. He's Taos Pueblo and Navajo. Mozart, welcome to Native America Calling. Yate and hee ho, how's it going? I'm doing really well, Mozart. Great to have you on the line. You just released a single this year. It's pretty energetic, and uh, we'll hear about it in a moment. But what does it mean to you as an artist to release a single as opposed to releasing a full album? So we live in a world that's filled with a lot of people wanting things super fast and super... The tension span has just changed. And I love albums. I think albums are great. You know, one of my favorite albums, probably, I never get tired of is OK Computer. You know, I think that's a great album. At track to track to track. We recorded this album, Eager with, a, uh, which one? Uh, Sign Me Up for the Apocalypse. We recorded this as an album, but releasing them as singles and singles because um, each one of them are very different. They're all very unique, and they're, we're not just stuck to one genre. We have punk. We have American singer-songwriter. We have metal. We have, you know, rock and roll. There's a lot of different genres that are happening. 
Now, do you write all your own songs, Mozart? Yes, I do. I, I wrote every single song that we have, and this, uh, I think it's 10-track album. 10 tracks. Well, Mozart, I mean, our albums, like back in the day, I remember growing up, you'd buy an album, like you'd buy an old LP, like a record, you'd listen to it track by track. And do people still listen to music that way? Or do they kind of more pick and choose what tracks they want to hear? I I do. I, I listen to albums all the time. The, the new 1975 album, I've listened to it already over and over and over again. Um, there's I don't know if it does. A lot of people I see that we released an album before this called Eager Within the Fire. And <clears throat> the it gets kind of lost because there's so many different algorithms that get in the way. And there's so many different um, things that get shadowed that we're not being able to have that exposure as, as much anymore. It's not like going into a CD store the way that we grew up and then looking at this cool CD cover and being like, I wonder what that's all about. Right, you know? right. And, and so I see a lot of other people releasing their albums and their numbers don't get that pushed either. Mm -hmm. That's just amazing how technology has influenced uh, not just the music itself, but how we listen to it with streaming and all of these other platforms with which we engage with not only music, but, but also the artists such as yourself. And uh, well, let's go ahead and, and take a listen now, Mozart, uh, your latest single here. The song is titled... Nasika saves Metropolis.
That was Nasika Saves Metropolis. Mozart, that song's got it going on. I love the guitar. I love the energy. Uh, what's the song about? So, <clears throat> first off, shout out to Kenny Riley at Rio Grande Studios for helping produce that song. And it's it was such a great experience making that song because it, all of that's all real instruments. None of that's digital. That's real guitars. Those are old amplifiers. Those are real drums. You know, he only made me go in that studio and record that song for one day, and he only made me sing that song three times, and I was out. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to do it any other time. Uh, that song, it, it's from a perspective, you know. I'm a big, huge fan of Miyazaki. Uh, you know, being, I, I started off being a filmmaker for such a long time, and I went to film school. And, you know, growing up from Taos Pueblo, I spent a lot of the time up in the mountains, and I was raised to love Kanakwisikwa, Mother Earth and Mother Nature. And, you know, it's part of a huge part of my life. And what Nausicaa Valley of the Wind was is, you know, it, the world has kind of ended, and there's just, you know, because of all the pollution and the forest has turned into such a huge toxic place where it's just pulling out pollution, but it learned how to survive and adapt, you know? And so, and the metropolis is one of my favorite films that I've ever seen. And so what I did is I combined the two worlds together and made it seem like there is this, you know, strong uh, warrior woman coming from the, um, coming from the mountains and she was destroying the kind of toxic uh, robotic world and that kind of perspective has been through you know being grown up on the Pueblo and then growing and experiencing you know white America you know when I went to boarding school there was such a different perspective when people used to see pictures of my Pueblo they would tell me oh that's such a waste of land we should turn that into a ski valley or oh we should like build cities and stuff like that and, you know that really hurt and to be called such a, you know, I think in those times in the 90s, such a tree hugger or anything like that was was kind of, you know, awful to me. And I think you can hear the amount of anger and the amount of, uh, you know, frustration and projection that I have when I'm singing that song. Music has been such therapy for me that it it keeps me sober and it keeps me clear-headed and I don't have to, you know, attack other people. I can I can vent those things up on stage and I can learn how to survive because that's how my people have been surviving for such a long time is by singing and there you go <laughs> <laughs> well Mozart you have so many influence you mentioned Radiohead earlier uh filmmakers uh and, and I know you just got back from from Nashville what were you doing out there so I'm, I'm out there in Nashville it's, it's one of my favorite places in the United States I get to there's just over a hundred bands that play every single night. And I find that such a great challenging thing. I love to be challenged as a musician. I don't ever want to feel that I've ever reached my peak. I, I need to see other musicians doing things outside of the box. There's a world outside of the stage while you're performing. And I see a lot of that being challenged out in that city. And that's where I want to stay based. And there's, I think there's something beautiful about that river that still creates amazing songs because what Tennessee means is Tennessee is an indigenous word for the river that bends. River that bends. And do you find uh, Nashville to be receptive to, to Native artists like yourself? Nashville's the only city I've lived in the United States where I don't deal with racism. I think that's the reason why. I spent a lot of time in Chicago, San Francisco, New York, here in New Mexico and Denver and a bunch of places, and Nashville's the only place where I don't ever deal with discrimination. They're they're so welcoming 
to all genders and all all everything. And I think that's what's really exciting about it. You kind of get outside of Nashville and it kind of gets a little weird, but you know, that's just how the United <laughs> States is. You right, know? right. But it, it's it's pretty it's pretty great. You know, we're having a bunch of shows and it's 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 very diverse the lineup that I've set up for us. Lots of shows, and as I understand it, they've got some great studios there. They they rebuilt all of their back when when country really took off, like in the '90s. I understand they just put put a lot of money into some of those Nashville studios, and there's just some really really good places to record out there as well. Folks, we're talking with Mozart Gabriel, and he is a rock artist, but he draws from from multiple genres, and he has a lot of influences in his music. And he's speaking with us from Santa Fe, New Mexico. And uh, we've got other guests on the show as well. We're going to go get a sampling of different types of music from all across Native America. And we're going to talk to some other artists and, and hear their takes and hear what inspires them. And hopefully uh, we'll be able to add to your playlist today for the holidays and into the new year. 2023 is just a little over a week away. So if you've got a question for Mozart or you just want to talk a little bit of music, give us a call. Phone lines are open right now, 1-800-996-NATIVE. Give us a call, 1-800-996-2848. We'll be right back. Citizens of the Métis Nation of Alberta voted overwhelmingly to ratify a new constitution. If fully adopted, it would solidify the nation into a self-governing body. But some Métis settlements and communities opposed the new constitution, saying the process lacked adequate consultation. We'll talk about the importance of the new constitution process on the next Native America Calling. To cousin son as Negido at Hanika, it's a Nahanada at Sido Lil, Nikazes Dendado Hishi, Nahanada at Seto Flu Shot, Litlinigi, Mask Up, Sleeve Up, IDG Indian Healthcare Provider, Tabajidina, Totanapesha Bensa Kesi Bigija, www.medicare.gov forward slash coverage forward slash flu shots. Ishibinacha Eda Husband or DAA cares for Medicare and Medicaid services in Hike and Dazla Ekahat. Thanks for tuning in today to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're adding to our Indigenous playlist today with some new music suggestions. And feel free to call in with your perspective at 1-800-996-2848. Also, if you want to hear full versions of the music we're talking about today, we created a Spotify playlist, which also includes additional new, new music from Indigenous artists. And we're sharing it on our social media pages. So check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter. We've got that playlist available there. Joining us now from Maui, Hawaii, is Tiffany Ayelek. She is part of the duo Pilk Silk. She is Inuit. Tiffany, welcome back to Native America Calling. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Tiffany, it's great to have you on the show. And uh, that song we heard during break, that's a Pilk Silk song, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, one of our, um, which has become a an annual tradition uh, us covering uh, some of our favorite Christmas carols in the style of Inuit throat singing. Um, so we've been doing this since 2019, 18 or 19, and uh, it's been a really fun thing for us to do. So, yeah, we, we have a new one out this year as well. 
Well, it sounds fantastic. What got you into uh, doing Christmas music? Well, um, in Okshuk, my sister and I, we, um, we've always had really complicated relationships with Christmas, as I know um, many Indigenous people also have. Um, you know, we grew up in a very, you know, religious household, and um, we really felt stifled by, um, you know, being forced to be, or forced to practice a religion that was different from one of our other parents' religion uh, and spirituality, and we just didn't feel like there was a lot of room for um, view in inside the church and. Uh, so we, we, we spent, when we were adults, when we left home and, you know, we were growing up, um, we had several years of, like, not really celebrating Christmas um, just because it didn't, it didn't feel authentic to us. Um, but then when my sister had kids, you know, and my, my dear, sweet little nephews who were, you know, getting wrapped up in, in the spirit and wanting to celebrate um, as well and getting excited about the season, you know, it really um, made us like stop and reflect on like, okay, how can we celebrate this time of the year um, authentically as a family and to like not have the kids feel like they're being left out of something um, just because the parents, you know, us are like, are the aunties and parents have like <laughs> different viewpoints of like mm -hmm. uh, how, how we feel about this time of year. And, and then, so then we started to just like kind of bring back for our own family, a, you know, more of like a solstice celebration and like what we're, how, what was the Inuit way of celebrating this time of year? What are the things that we can be folding back into, um, you know, this time of the year that is culturally more relevant to us and more authentic to us while still making room to be like a, a, a encompassing of like many different things that are happening at this time of year. And so once we started to just really acknowledge that like Christmas and the holidays is really, really complicated for everybody. And a lot of people have, very mixed feelings about this time of the year and there's like a tremendous amount of pressure especially around Christmas for you know this year is going to be perfect we're all going to reconcile this year and if every if I just work really really hard and make sure that everything is perfect then finally the you know the intergenerational <laughs> our family will be solved once and for all if all the Hallmark movies are right that's how it's going to go right guys and so I think oh, yeah. a lot of people feel so much pressure to like really make things perfect. And, and then I think that a lot of people are really lonely around this time of year. So Indeed. we wanted with our, with our first album that we put out, Kuvia um, Sofik in, in our language is our sort of um, word for Christmas, but it actually is the literal translation is like, Oh, the happy time. And then we kind of were a little bit cheeky with that, and we picked really <laughs> sorrowful songs um, and lots of our favorite Christmas hymns and, and carols that are in a minor key. Um, and we just really leaned into that um, sound to also just provide some comfort and some validation for people that, like, this is, like, I cry so much at Christmas. It's really difficult, you know? Yeah, like, yeah that's... Have to always be happy, 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 joy, joy, joy. You know, I feel like that alienates people even more, so... It does, um, it does, so, yeah, yeah. we just wanted to make room, yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate your take. That is so right on. And, and you hear so much about people suffering from depression during the holidays because of that, right? Because of like these unreal expectations. And of course, just the, the complexity of what the holiday means. And, and you add like not just to indigenous people. And uh, we're going to play another song, another one of, of Pilksilk's Christmas songs, Ava Maria. And you folks did your own version. And before we play that, though, Tiffany, can you tell us what you learned about the origins of, of Ava Maria? Yeah, so Ave Maria is a really interesting um, carol because uh, like we've done, you know, historically with our other songs, you know, there's sort of like a, a political bent to it. And there's like a story behind like why we choose the songs that we choose. And Ave Maria is no different. Um, so this was a song that was composed by the... Uh, composer Franz Schubert, and um, this was based on a, a poem uh, written in 1810 called The Lady of the Lake, and it, this was actually a song that was never intended to be a religious song, and um, this song was actually co-opted by the Catholic Church, and we just felt like it was an interesting choice for us to do this year. One, it's incredibly beautiful, the song. Um, and then the other um, side of why we chose this song was because the Pope came to Canada this year on a pretty grand tour, um, and and that really uh, killed a lot of mixed reviews with, within the Indigenous community in Canada. Some people were completely validated and felt seen, and a lot of healing happened. And then a lot of um, people on the um, sort of polar opposite side of that really felt like it was a hollow gesture, that it wasn't enough. Um, that there was a lot of lip service done to reconciliation, but that it, you know, no mention of like a real apology for what the church did to Indigenous people in Canada with um, residential schools um, was mentioned. And so we felt like, okay, there's this like pretty big like Catholic harm in 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 the country right now that people are still really talking about. So let's let's take a let's take an opportunity to talk about that and use this okay. song. Um, and so this is this is the song that we chose, Ave Maria, and um, you know it was a, a strong choice for us as women because we also feel that within the Catholic Church, women aren't allowed to have um, meaningful roles of leadership. Women's bodies are still very much in danger in the Catholic Church. There's not a lot of body autonomy. There's there's not um, you know there's there's not a lot of education or acceptance into you know birth control or you know autonomy over women's bodies sure and sure. here we are here we are upholding this impossible standard of womanly perfection with this virgin mary um that we can celebrate and exalt but the real women who are in the church um don't are not celebrated in the same way so this was our this was our attempt at having you know, a bit of awareness and a bit of a conversation um, around the sort of the hypocrisy. But then we also still love Christmas and we love the sounds of, <laughs> of this song. So as, as people who know our music understand, you know, we're very comfortable with um, musically sitting in the complexity, sitting in the dichotomies, sitting in the paradoxes and singing from that place. And nothing has to be tidy. Nothing has to be perfect or sorted out. And there's lots of room for that gray area that I think we need to be just as people more comfortable sitting in. And it doesn't always have to be this black and white 
um, you know, clarity and that once we sit in the uncomfort, that's when we can really start to have these conversations about where we move on from here. All right. Well, let's take a listen to this song, Ave Maria by Pilk Silk. Thank you. 
Absolutely beautiful. That was Ave Maria by Pilk Silk. And we have Tiffany Ayelik on the show. She's part of the duo Pilk Silk. And Tiffany, I know you're on vacation in Hawaii, so we want to be mindful of your time. We really appreciate you coming on the air, sharing uh, such wonderful music and, of course, just all of your perspectives and putting so much context into to your artistry. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, go hit the beach there and, and have a lot of fun. Uh, enjoy that sunshine for the rest of us, Tiffany, okay? Thank you so much. Happy holidays and happy new year to you all. Happy holidays to you as well, Tiffany. We've got another guest on the line now. He's joining us from Phoenix, Arizona. His name is Ryan Allison, although he often goes by the name Dirt Roads, which is coincidentally also the name of his band. He's a Navajo country artist. Ryan, welcome to Native America Calling. Hey, son. How's it going, man? It's going great. Absolutely great. And uh, wonderful having you on the show today. And you have a, a brand of music you call Navajo Country. Tell us more about Navajo Country. What's, what's at the heart of it? Uh, I, I guess you could, it's often referred to as like res country. Um, it, it's actually hard to explain. I really have a hard time trying to explain like what Navajo country, Indian country, res country is. It's a very particular sound that's almost like a mix of rock and uh, country. It's, the way I describe it to folks is uh, it's it's as if it was the country rock of the 70s and it just stayed that way up until this point, really. Mm-hmm. Well, whenever I think of country music out there in the Navajo Nation, I think of people like Vincent Craig back in the day and, and his sound with his guitar and his harmonica. Uh, is, is that accurate or is it, is it larger than that? Does it encompass a, a different sound, more of some no, more I rock mean, and roll influence? I think, sure. I mean, like Vincent Craig, I think, is, is kind of chameleon in that way because he could, you know, weave into – uh, folk or even like rock and of course like country um, but like the bands that I would cite as influences are like the Navajo Sundowners or you know like the, the Thunders um, who are a legendary Navajo country band and it's it's pretty much you know two guitars two Telecasters really and then a bass and drums and then uh, you play really loud so everyone can hear you <laughs> basically <laughs> Yeah, you got to get those Telecasters out there with that country twang sound and uh, yeah. that inspiration. Yeah, it's so cool. Yeah, keep... I've actually I've heard um, you know like Waylon Jennings is a huge influence, um, not just to Navajos, but like just to Arizona in general because he got his start here in Phoenix. So that sound, um, you know, it's kind of like the greater Bakersfield meets like Texas twang. It's it's kind of in the middle, and it's literally like geographically it's in the middle between Bakersfield and Texas. So I guess it's like a mix of both. Waylon Jennings uh, is one of my all-time favorite artists. And he used to spend a lot of time on the Navajo Res. He knew a lot of people. He'd hang out. Uh, used to hear stories about him just kind of showing up in different locations. You, you heard of those two, Ryan? Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. You know, like the, the running joke, at least among the folks here in Phoenix, um, it's whenever he needed money, he'd schedule out. Uh, some shows on the res and go over there <laughs> <laughs> and just pack them, just pack them. I'm sure. Yeah. Classic, yeah. classic. Um, 
We've got Ryan Allison on the phone right now, and uh, his band is Dirt Roads, Navajo Country. And we are going to play a track uh, from Dirt Roads, but you're going to have to wait until after the break to hear it. We're going to keep you in suspense here for a couple of more minutes because we do have to take uh, a short break. But uh, if you'd like to chime in, anybody who's a fan of Navajo Country uh, talked about the Navajo Sundowners, Vincent Craig, and some of these other legendary acts that we have the Navajo Nation to thank for. This is your show. Give us a call. Tell us what you love about country music or Navajo country, as uh, Ryan refers to it. That number, 1-800-99-NATIVE. You can get your comments on the air. More with Dirt Roads and Ryan Allison after this break. Support by Department of Homeland Security. Brandy Bynum, Program Manager, DHS Blue Campaign, has tips to combat human trafficking. On January 11th, wear blue, the international color of human trafficking awareness. To help raise knowledge of this crime, take a photo and then post it on social media using the hashtag WearBlueDay and empower your community to access Blue Campaign's educational resources to stay informed. Learn more about preventing human trafficking at dhs.gov slash bluecampaign. Thanks for tuning in today to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're enjoying some new indigenous music today, tunes that you can add to your playlist to get winter off to a strong start. And we'll take your comments today too. You can reach out to us on Facebook or Twitter. Just search for Native America Calling. And we've got Ryan Allison on the line. And let's go ahead and take a listen to some new music from Dirt Roads. This song is titled Together We'll Fade Away.
<laughs> you just took me down memory lane. I could just, the two-step in the pool tables. You know, people say, they say this kind of country music is dead. You know, you hear, oh, it's the bro country now and stuff like that. No, it's not dead. People like you are still out here. You're still recording this kind of stuff that we grew up with. It sounds fantastic. And and Ryan, this song is actually a cover uh, by Pima Express, I think. Can you tell us about the original songwriter? Right. Um, this is a cover of Pima Express. Uh, they're a legendary, you know, a res country band out here from Phoenix. And um, they were signed to the Canyon Records label that's based here in Phoenix. And uh, they put out a lot of albums, I think like five or six. And they still play around town. But the whole idea behind that was uh, I play around Phoenix and I play like these country bars uh, around here. And um, I just wanted to highlight the fact that, you know, res country has been around and has been ingrained a part of country music forever. You know, I often argue that, uh, you know, natives doing country music or have been doing country music longer or as long as folks who um, play traditional country. So mm -hmm. that was kind of just an homage. And I, 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 I arranged it a lot differently because, um, the cool thing about Pima Express is like they're such a jam band that they can, like the original is really long because they just play solos forever, <laughs> which is rad, you know. But I kind of arranged it to a more like structured, like three minute, as if you could play it on the radio, which it has. So thank you. First time I'm hearing it on the radio. <laughs> well, you did a great job. You can hear it all. You can hear you can hear a little bit of Whalen influence, like you mentioned, and. Uh, I can hear that slide guitar as well. Just sounds so good. Let's go ahead and take a caller now. We have Michael from Hamas Pueblo. I haven't heard from Michael in a while. He's listening on KUNM in New Mexico. Michael, it's good to have you calling in again. I know. Well, it's work, work, work. I'm a little bit of a K Christmas vacation, so you know I can hear uh, Native America calling. Yeah, that song. That song reminds me of the old Nashville music. And also, I was privileged to go to school at St. Catharines in Santa Fe, and um, one of my classmates was Chester Baldwin, and he had the they had the Chester, they had the Baldwin Brothers uh, band out of Tindley, Arizona. Oh, they sang a lot of good Waylon Jennings music, and it just introduced us uh, up there to the Navajo style of Country Western and also the two uh, radio stations here, you know, KUNM, uh, Singing Wire, and also Beulah Sunrise song. They play a lot of good uh, state line and, and, and good uh, good Navajo music at the Plateros. You know, it's real good. Real good music. I love it. 
Michael, thank you for that call. Yeah, it is good music, really good music. And Ryan, uh, Michael mentions Chester Baldwin. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, it's the funny thing is when I tell people about uh, Rez Country, or at least Navajo Country, there's a million bands, and they're playing every single weekend still to this day. It's pretty remarkable, and it's pretty amazing. Now, the name Dirt Roads, um, you know, I, earlier I mentioned Bro Country, and I can't help but think of that that song by Jason Aldean, which is like, what's called Dirt Road Anthem, and it, it's like the, the battle cry of all Bro Country. Um, there's not a connection between Dirt Roads and that song, is there, Ryan? No, definitely not. Um, <laughs> okay, I didn't think if anything, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, I was trying to think of a name uh, – well, I started writing, I, I played in bands, like punk bands, rock bands, whatever. Um, when I started writing country music, I needed a name. So I asked my brother, like, what should I do? Like, what should I go as? And he said, Dirt Roads. And I was like, that's cool, because it sounds like a name, but it also sounds like a band. And what res, you know, person who lives on the res, they're very familiar with actual dirt roads, like driving on dirt roads. Sure. Yeah. No, it works. It totally works. And uh, I just have a quick question about your gear, Ryan, because I, I love the sound of a, a Telecaster. And are, are you running it through any effects at all, or are you just plugging right into your amp? Um, I typically play uh, I play what's called a, a Gretsch hollow body. So okay. it's kind of that jangly. You hear it on that recording. It's the really jangly kind of like spacey guitar. But yeah, I do run it through effects. And then my, my good friend Shay, he plays lead guitar in my band, and he's the one that's playing the Telecaster, and it's very like, you know, has that very twangy, sharp sound that you're used to in country music. Yeah, yeah, that classic, the single coil pickup. It just sounds so good. Like I said, uh, I just I grew up with that kind of music, and uh, I love to hear it. You hardly hear it on the radio anymore. Everything's gotten so into this kind of pop music country sound, so it's just great to know that people like you are out there and you're keeping it real for all of Native America. And I just want to thank Ryan Allison for joining us today. And we were able to connect with one other guest. Uh, her name is Molly Obamswin this week. And I asked her about her new album, Sweet Tooth. Molly is Wabanaki. She's from the Odenok First Nation. And she's a composer. And in this album, which is her first, she combines jazz and audio recorded uh, many years ago that features the voices of her ancestors. Here's a piece of our interview but it was actually founded on my traditional territory. Uh, and a lot of the first students who went there were Abenaki from Odenak. And so they have in their archives recordings of anthropologists uh, interviewing my ancestors and um, people from my community. And so I came across one of those while I was there. It kind of like made me realize that there was this huge treasure trove that basically my community hasn't been able to access or two of the tracks on Sweet Tooth are from the Dartmouth archives. Um, one of them was a Jesuit hymn that was translated into Abenaki, possibly as early as the 1600s, uh, 1690s.
And then the other is traditional telling of like a medicine teaching um, in our language from, from an elder. Has it changed your perspective uh, on the world, and especially like with regard to Christianity? It's interesting, you know. Like I'm a I'm a student of my language. There aren't very many um, fluent speakers of Abenaki, and so I don't think I have the like I don't know what to call it, but you know the philo- philosophy that comes with the language, right? That's embedded in our languages. I don't know if I have that level of understanding of it, at least for like, I think there's probably a lot of secrets, even in the Jesuit hymn, for instance, that's that's in our language. I bet there's a lot of secrets to unlock um, with more a deeper understanding of our language and how we would have understood the hymn. There's a lot of people in my community um, that were have traumas around the Catholic Church, um, obviously, you know, but also some people who still practice that. And and so it's while in my own life as like a millennial person with strong and loud opinions about, (laughs) you know, um, (laughs) imperialism and and Catholicism, like it's definitely given me, I think, like kind of a gentleness with which I can like understand my community, you know, I don't know if that makes sense, but like we played some shows in New York City where I was like, you know, this is free jazz, like we're going to just like destroy this Catholic hymn and I'm going to get out all of my rage about, um, you know, everything that the Catholics did, you know. And and then when I played it at my own community, we were playing in the school that used to be the Catholic school and we were playing it for elders who were told not to speak their language in that school, right? And so it was like a very different experience uh, playing the music for them than it would be for someone not from the community. And on the album cover, you're holding some objects in your hand. Can you talk about those? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, the cornet uh, mouthpiece is is in one of my hands. And um, I have a bunch of wampum shells, polished wampum in um, my lower hand, and um, I, I wanted to really symbolize the um, this like trading um, that is going on culturally between, you know, in the in the context of jazz, in the context of like where we find ourselves as um, communicating ancient things into modernity and into the future, um, and it's to me like a sacred process. And so, sweet tooth. Uh, is kind of centered on this concept of the idea that you're supposed to deny yourself modernity uh, as an artist and, you know, that creating something new and engaging with the future um, is supposed to be harmful to you in in this uh, or harmful or tainting the art, right? And so it's this tension between assimilation and 
you know, ascension. <laughs> Interview with composer Molly Obamsawin about her new album, Sweet Tooth. In three movements or six songs, Molly definitely tells a story about her people's experience with Christianity and resulting resilience and strength. Well, folks, unfortunately, that is all the time we have for our new music playlist today. I hope you enjoyed this show and let us thank our guests now, Tiffany Ayelik from Pilk Silk, Ryan Allison from Dirt Roads, Mozart Gabriel, and Molly Obamsawin. We appreciate you all joining us today and sharing some excellent Native music to add to our playlists. We're back again tomorrow talking about the historic turnout to ratify the Constitution for the Métis Nation of Alberta. It's a big step forward for self-governance, but a number of other Métis communities are challenging the move. Until then, I'm Sean Spruce. Thank you for listening. You see the car ads, low price, low payments. Sounds good, but when you get to the dealer, there could be a catch. The dealer may try to add things like extra products or services at extra cost. And to get that low monthly payment, you might have to make a big down payment. The bottom line is this, if you can't get the advertised deal or one you feel good about, walk away. If a dealer isn't honest when it comes to its car ads, tell the Federal Trade Commission, the nation's consumer protection agency at reportfraud.ftc.gov. Support by the Federal Trade Commission. This month and every month, remember, one in three Native American adults have high blood pressure. Check it at your nearest community health center. If the numbers are above 120 over 80, talk to a healthcare professional. Native community well-being is very important. You can take action by visiting heart.org slash HBP control. This support provided in partnership with HHS slash OMH and HRSA under cooperative agreement CPIMP 2112-27 and CPIMP 2112-28. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kwanek Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davids. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.